I, I'd, I'd rather save my pride and not tell it. Is this like the time that there was like, um, you came into the house and said, there's something magical outside. And uh-huh. I said, is it a unicorn? And you got all upset and you're like, no, I'm not going to tell you. Exactly like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is that right now? Yeah, that's my little child within me that I love very much and I let her come out whenever she wants to. Okay, so now I don't even get to hear the story. Oh, you may eventually if I remember it. That's my mom, psychologist and family therapist, Dr. Elizabeth Skabinski-Bortman. I'm her daughter and your host, Rebecca, and this is Advice from Mom. This episode marks the grand finale of our five-part Mother's Day Amandlam special series called Meet the Matriarchy. See what we did there? Add a little timeliness to it. Matriarchy. In this series, we featured motherly figures of all sorts who are mothering social change out there in the big bad world. This month, we've talked to Dr. Harriet Lerner about how society thinks about its mothers. We talked to Brotopia author Emily Chang about equal pay and inclusion in the tech world. We even got to talk to Peaches Christ and Veruca Bathsalts about the legacy and fellowship of drag queens. And for this episode, we're talking to none other than the labor rights leader and luminary, Dolores Huerta. PBS recently released an amazing documentary about her epic life starting from scratch in the farm fields of California and shows how she co-founded the first farm workers union with Cesar Chavez. Dolores has been organizing and rallying and changing policy for workers' rights and racial justice for over 70 years. There are four elementary schools in California alone named after Dolores, and nine U.S. universities have awarded her honorary doctorates. She is so incredible, and I can't wait for you to hear this conversation. Also because I didn't just get to talk to Dolores. I got to talk to her with her youngest daughter, Camila Chavez, because Dolores didn't just mother a movement. She also mothered an entire family at the very same time. How do we celebrate Mother's Day? All month long, we gotta do more than just calling my mom. Mother is a verb, so you might as well use it. Look at bigger pictures, start making improvements. Talk to matriarchs who are mother in movements. All month long, on advice from mom. Yeah, I'm anxious to talk about Dolores. I mean, what an amazing, amazing. 88-year-old woman, my goodness. So I think you were probably still in college at Madison when this happened. In the late 60s, to protest working conditions in the fields and poor pay, Dolores led the national boycott on grapes. Do you remember boycotting grapes? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, so much so. In fact, uh, you know, the the flaming liberals at uh, whatever you want to call them, radicals at Madison, Wisconsin, around there, uh, you know, if they saw you eating grapes, they would just be like, what's the matter with you? I'm going to, you know, just so much supportive of of that movement and so excited about the help that they were bringing to people. Dolores basically took Northern California and Cesar Chavez took Southern California and they established 
farm workers' unions by literally going into the fields and teaching people about their rights. Wow. Yeah, so, like, talk about a grassroots movement. And they were, I'm sure, that the owners of the farms wanted to stop them. Oh, my gosh, in violent ways. They actually, in the documentary Dolores, they... They show footage of these farm workers protesting and getting beaten, and and the police were on the side of the farmers. I think usually the the police forces are on the side of the status quo. Yeah. Well, she's changed status quo in this incredible way. She moved to Bakersfield in the center of California specifically to lead the farm workers' movement. And... uh, she still is there today. Does she? Yeah. That's why you're going there. That's why I'm going to Bakersfield, is is to meet her and meet her daughter, meet one of her 11 children. Her children are all grown and they're all accomplished and doing interesting work and social justice and... Can't imagine. Yeah. Yeah. And her children are very honest about the sacrifices that their mother made and the sacrifices that they made of kind of giving their mother over to this bigger cause. Yes. Um, And that in itself is a fascinating scenario to think about kids understanding why mom's doing this instead of resenting her and then sort of just naturally making those ideas and that philosophy part of their life. Yeah. So do you have any questions that you want me to ask Dolores and Camila? Hmm. Good question. Um, What do they do for fun? Okay, I'll ask them that. Okay. Yeah, that's a really good question cuz what do you do for fun when your work is so life-changing? What do you what do you find to to let yourself loose? What do you do for yourself? Exactly. And that that piece is although it could easily be neglected. Uh, that piece of what do I do? What's my downtime? What do I do to keep my self-care, to keep my spirits up? I, I think it's an important piece on how you keep on keeping on. It's such an honor to to be here with both of you. And I, I think that you both really embody the actions of mothering social movements. And I'm so excited to explore that topic with you today. Um, and Camila, who's in Bakersfield with us, um, You are, of course, an accomplished activist and uh, learning about your work with youth leadership and teenage pregnancy prevention and and fighting for for working wages. And then also you are the executive director of the Dolores Huerta Foundation. Um, So thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. And. And Dolores, a living legend in, in, in our midst. You've worked for workers' rights, immigrant rights, women's rights, and so many awards for your work, including the highest civilian honor in the entire United States, the Presidential Medal of Freedom presented to you by Barack Obama. Yes. Um, and he also borrowed a famous phrase of yours. I guess when I met uh, President Obama, uh, he was then candidate Obama when he was running for the presidency. And uh, the first thing he said to me was, I stole your slogan. <laughs> and I said, yes, you did. <laughs> yeah, si se puede. That was my response to the president. Uh, he was very, very sweet, a very beautiful person. Yeah. Uh, may he have even more momentous work in front of him. Yes, let's hope that. Yeah. Certainly, we miss him. <laughs> yeah. That's all we can say. And PBS recently released an incredible documentary 
about you that we've encouraged all our listeners to watch. So hopefully they've done their homework. And it highlights your life as you've led decade-long revolutions for labor rights and also human rights in general. And one of the reasons why I think this film is so significant is because it tells a part of history that is oftentimes left out of the story. And it's it's not uh, just about myself. It's about the farm workers movement. Uh, there's a really good sections of uh, Robert Kennedy, uh, Senator Robert Kennedy, uh, the, the impact that he had on the farm workers and also talks about his last pub- public words before he was killed. And he said, we have an obligation and responsibilities to our fellow citizens. And thinking about the crisis that we're in in today's word, world when it comes to politics, and uh, I hope that everybody, number one, we do invite you to see the documentary and uh, then reflect on Robert Kennedy's words. Yes. Yeah, his life was cut off way, way too soon. Um, I love the way that the film begins and talks about your love of jazz and and dancing and how you felt compelled to become an activist. And I was wondering if you would mind telling the story of the first time you felt like you wanted to stand up for something you believed in. Uh, I was a Girl Scout for many years, from the time I was 8 till the time that I was 18. Uh, that is not included in the film. Uh, I guess one of the things that I did as a Girl Scout, there were a lot of a lot of my friends that were much poorer than I was, and uh, I felt that uh, when I went to Girl Scout camp, it was such a beautiful experience that I wanted some of my friends that were poorer than I to be able to experience that also, and so uh, we were able to raise uh, the money for them so that they could go to camp. And uh, it and it was it was exciting because there were not very many uh, Latinas or Mexican Americans in in the camp. I was kind of the only one. And then when my friends uh, were able to go to Girl Scout camp, and they shared that experience, something they never would have been able to to have in their own lives. But it also the impact that it had on the other Girl Scouts, our uh, our, our Anglo Girl Scouts. Uh, because uh, they made tortillas for the whole group, you know, and they went everybody over. <laughs> wow. That's incredible. So this microcosm of, of what was to come in so many ways. That's beautiful. One of the other things I couldn't stop thinking about while watching the film was how you're really, you're kind of two kinds of mothers at once. Right. So you're leading and supporting this national workers movement and movements for justice. Um, And you're also raising children at the same time. And I think those are two very powerful motherly actions. Um, Did you think of yourself as the mother of the movement at that time? Uh, No, I didn't. I just uh, was trying to do what needed to be done so that we could uh, win some basic rights for farm workers. And of course, when you have your children, you're there and uh, the... The job of raising them uh, is uh, there whether you, you want it or not. You don't think about it. You just know your kids are there. You have to make sure that they're fed, make sure that they're clothed, uh, you know, try to correct them and discipline them in the ways that you can. And that uh, just comes with being a mother. What was your notion of motherhood when when you were kind of in that moment? Like, did you think of how being a mother played in with your, your role of of the work you were doing? Very much so, uh, actually, because I always felt that uh, I wanted my children uh, to be mentally healthy. Uh, I wanted them to grow up caring for other people, uh, not to be selfish, uh, uh, to have a sense of justice. And 
Uh, and for that reason, I always uh, tried to bring my children along with me uh, when I would go to meetings, go to marches, uh, go to protests, and often to, and sometimes to, to jail. Uh, two of my children went to jail with me. Uh, one of them was my son, Fidel, who is now a doctor, and we were uh, organizing at the, the Gala Wine Company, and uh, they arrested him. He was only 16 years old at the time. And uh, so he, 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 you know, he, he experienced that of having been arrested. And then my other uh, child, of course, she didn't know that, but because she was only a baby, and my daughter Juanita, and I was arrested uh, in Kern County. And uh, they said that my tires were too thin on my car, and I was endangering uh, my, my, the, the, the safety of, of my child. And so they took me to jail, and then they took her, and I guess put her somewhere. And she always jokes about it. Of course, she was just a baby. But she said she turned around to the other babies and said, okay, okay, kid, what are you in here for? <laughs> uh, and Camila, you are living proof of your your mother's activism. W- what was it like? Do you have any stories to to share with us about those early days? Definitely. It, uh, we had a very different upbringing, a very different childhood. Our weekends, instead of uh, basketball practice or ballet or whatever, um, were you know attending marches, rallies. My mother taking us up and down the state uh, when we were not in school. So on weekends, summers, you know, a lot of folks think that, you know, we we sat around the dinner table having these very intense political conversations. And that wasn't really the deal. I mean, it was learning from my parents through their actions and the work that they did by us just being there. And that's what we do now with the Dolores Huerta Foundation is hands-on organizing, trying to make our schools better, our communities better, register voters, all that good stuff. Totally. So much good stuff. And you, Camila, are one of 11 children born into a family of social justice activists. I think is almost an understatement since it's almost like social justice is in your blood. (laughs) Um, I was reading about how when you were a teenager, uh, you marched with your mom for the United Farm Workers, with the United Farm Workers over 300 miles. Um, And I know that's just one example of your activism from early on. And I was wondering when you decided to take this on as your life work. Well, I don't. I I really don't think we had a choice, but technically we did because the great thing about my mother is that she encouraged all of us to pursue our interests. So I have a brother who's a rapper and an artist, and she was always encouraging him, never said, you can't do that or that doesn't make money. Um, So I think that's a really great quality about my mother that I am also trying to pass on to my children Um, But when this march happened, um, I was a senior in high school. I was 17 years old, and I really wanted to be on it. Um, In 1993, Cesar had passed away. I was 16 years old. And of course, you know, that was just such a hard time for our family, for the movement. So a year later, when they announced that there was going to be a march to Sacramento, I wanted to be on that march. So I did everything that I could, meeting with my counselors, doing independent study, and I was uh, fortunate enough to be able to graduate early to be able to go on that march. 
And I went with my sister, who's another artist and was uh, really into theater. And we uh, started Teatro Peregrino. And it was just really guerrilla theater, trying to give the message to folks that although Cesar died, the union was not dead. Wow. So it's such a such a powerful way to use art. So it was very fresh at that time when you were both marching and performing. Definitely. Yeah, Camila is the youngest of my children. Uh, although I had her when I, when I, I was 46 years old when she was born. So I always say she was an old egg <laughs> because she is so, so wise for her age. She's an old soul. Yeah, very wise. Huh? Yeah. Very wise, very steady, as you can tell by her voice. Yeah, and um, I, I would love to talk more about you guys co-founding the foundation together. Talk about a mother-daughter achievement. Well, uh, I received a gift from the Puppin Foundation of $100,000, and I had re uh, resigned from the United Farm Workers, and I always wanted to go back to do grassroots community organizing, which is where Cesar and myself both came out of. I got a, a group of my friends that were really great organizers together, and Camila said, I want to work with you, which really sh it shocked me, actually. I didn't expect her to quit her good-paying job living in the city, so... It was a big sacrifice on her part, and, you know, I really appreciated it. Um, like, you know, my mother said, I was working in the Bay Area, um, working in the field of public health. And um, after working in the field, gosh, it was probably about um, seven or eight years, um, I realized that there were serious issues with the public health system and that I had no idea on how to change things. And it may, got me thinking that maybe I should talk more to my mom, who's changed laws and affected all kinds of policies, to really see how that works. You know, when I left Bakersfield um, as a high school graduate, I really did not think I would be coming back. And um, so, like so many young people, you know, um, there's this whole notion that um, in order to succeed, you have to leave the valley. There's a huge brain drain that we have here in California's Central Valley. And so um, my message now to the young people is, you know, go away if you want for school. And, you know, that's good. But we have to come back. It's our responsibility to serve our community and make things better. It's like, would you say your mom became your mentor? I think I still am. <laughs> yeah, I think, and I think we mentor each other, to be honest. As, as we explore this idea of mothering not just children, but movements, I think the idea of mentorship is so prominent in that. But it's, in some ways, it sounds like the relationship developed even more when you two started working together, and it came out of a desire for Camila to be mentored by you? Well, I think uh, I think our uh, relationship is still in development because uh, so, we come from two different worlds. I come from the act activist world of organizing. Camilla uh, comes more from the academic world. All the organizing is in her blood also because she grew up in the movement. So uh, she has a lot of uh, uh, political savvy in many ways. And she's also got a very... Uh, even temperament, so she's very easy not only to work with but to work for. Uh, I mean, all of our staff love Camila. They probably can't say the same thing about me. 
<laughs> you know, uh, but it's a, so I think it's a very good partnership that we have. And, and it's and it's not always easy sailing. I mean, we, we do have uh, conflicts now and then, which I think is normal. I think if we didn't have conflicts, there would be something wrong uh, with our organization and with us. I do feel that we complement each other um, as leaders of this organization. Dolores is the visionary and... Um, you know, really invokes CSIP for the spirit. So every time she says, I have an idea, the rest of us cringe, like, oh no, Dolores has another idea <laughs> to add on to the other, all the other ideas that we're pursuing right now. <laughs> you know, it is good to have, you know, the healthy conflict and that um, our strengths are what really um, help balance us in our work. And that definitely came across in the film of, you know, this isn't like, okay, and now she's sitting by the pool. No, you are hard at work. And um, I, I should note that today, the reason why we're in two different locations is so that you can be here for a rally here in Fresno. Yes, it was a workers' rally. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so every day it's happening. Um, I, I don't want to skim over how it feels to make history. You've started and led boycotts that have changed national policy and rallied millions of people. And by its nature, that work is filled with conflict, you know, and, and uphill battles uh, and ones where your own body was oftentimes on the line. People love to use the adjective tireless when they describe you. And I wonder how how do you how do you keep going when you're in the thick of it? Well, we know that we have to keep going because there's so much work to do, and if we don't do the work, it's not going to happen. If we can't uh, invoke, recruit, inspire, motivate, engage, harass <laughs> other people to uh, to also step into into the fight, you know, we just need so many volunteers and. Uh, to do the work that needs to be done. And I think we're in such a critical state in our country right now that no one uh, can afford to check out. You know, this is basically what we do with uh, with our organization is just go out there and, and uh, organize people and try to get them to engage in making uh, their lives better, making their communities better, better making our, our country better. How, how does it, what does it feel like to kind of, to tirelessly persevere? Oh, it feels great, especially when uh, you see, especially young people that will come up and say, yes, I want to do something, you know, how can I organize? And, you know, we encourage them to either join a group that's already in existence or start your own group, especially uh, we know that there's a lot of energy right now with the Me Too movement, with the young people that are marching on gun control, with the Black Lives Matter movement, with the labor movement, with the DACA students. So, so there's a lot of issues that people can engage in. Well, I'd like to answer your question as far as, you know, how does it feel to make history? And uh, I, my first thought was sometimes I don't even, we don't realize the impact that we're making until much later. And I was just on a phone conversation with a colleague and he says, wow, and what the DHF is doing with redistricting, you know, in Kern County and Tulare County is just so great. And I thought, oh yeah, you're right. That's what we're doing, you know. So we're just like in the thick of it, but that it feels exhausting. <laughs> it's exhilarating, satisfying, and most of all, rewarding to see um, empowered individuals, to see um, policies, you know, change. And how do you 
fortify yourself. And when, when your mom was describing raising you and your siblings, she talked about your mental health. Right, yeah. to making sure that you're raising mentally healthy children. How do you think your mental health day to day and and keeping your spirits high? How do, how does that play into to this bigger picture? Yeah, I think that's extremely important self care, and I really try to model that for our team. Uh, you know, I get massages at least once a month. Um, I am blessed that I live in a mountain community, so on the weekends when I'm home with my family, we're taking hikes. We are, you know, really um, just enjoying the time with nature, and that is my. Um, my medicine, my therapy for sure, to um, really make sure that, you know, we're taking a break and that we're feeding our souls um, at the same time because we have to be in it for the long run. Yeah. And Dolores, how about you? Well, um, I, I don't get too many breaks because I, my weekends are usually filled with appearances or engagements. But uh, I like to hear jazz music. In fact, in Bakersfield, we have a, a jazz workshop every Tuesday night, and tonight is Tuesday. And I'm probably going to, if I get home in time, I'll be able to go to the jazz workshop. So if I can hear some music, and uh, I like to read and uh, you know, hang out with some of my adult children and friends. I get um, my uh, recreation and organizing. I just love to organize. I love my work, and uh, that is my life, and uh, that, that is uh, what fulfills me and uh, gratifies me. So uh, the more people I can be with, the more people I can inspire to get engaged, then that, 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 that is what I love, love to do. So you know, for me, the work is not difficult because— uh, I'm doing what I like, and I guess, uh, and I think when we think of advice uh, to younger people, uh, the the advice I think is always do what you love, don't do it for the money, don't you know, don't go out there and work uh, for something that might be very lucrative financially, but it doesn't fulfill you. It's better to be poor and do what you love because then it's not work, you know. And in in a in a way, I can say that my work is my recreation. Um, I will just say that Dolores is a unique individual in that um, in that spirit where, um, you know, for her, she can go and go and go and go without really taking a break. But for the rest of us, <laughs> um, you know, I, I think, yes, I do agree that, you know, it's important to take the breaks, to reflect, um, you know, and to really have those, those moments where um, we can just, you know... Um, take care of what we need as far as our mental health is concerned. And one thing that neither of us have mentioned yet that we both really like to do is dance. So that's another way of relaxing. And That's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, and your daughter, Juana, uh, in, the, in the film, talked about how um, I loved her quote about women not being written out of history. Um, and so I want to talk about uh, your life since this documentary came out and how does it feel now to have a full-length film that really documents what you've done so far and, and how much work you're doing at, at the moment. It really felt at the end of the film like we're leaving Dolores to go do more of her amazing work. And here we are today in the midst of your amazing work. Yeah, I think we need another, another film <laughs> to talk about the work that we're doing. And unfortunately... 
And at this particular film, they couldn't include that work. But uh, the education work, I think, that we're doing is absolutely crucial. Uh, we live in a country of abysmal ignorance. I think a lot of the hatred that people are exhibiting uh, comes from ignorance. If we can uh, change the content of our educational systems, that that is going to be the savior for our country, just to include uh, at the kindergarten level and all the way through elementary and high schools and college uh, about ethnic studies and what people of color have done to build this country. And I think there's a big confusion uh, because people think that somehow government is the United States of America, the country, but it isn't. The country is one thing, our government is something else. And uh, they see that the founders of the government were Europeans. And so, yeah, we can say, yes, our government was founded by Europeans, but the country was indigenous, was brown. So empowering people is also making them see a bigger world, a bigger vision, and, and their place in the bigger world, not just in their little world, and the difference that they can make and need to make, that they, and they, they need to understand that they are part of it, especially women. Especially women. <laughs> Camila, any anything to add to that? Especially, what, what was it like for you to watch this film? I was very happy that um, my mom is receiving her due credit. Um, I was uh, fearful that we wouldn't see this film come to fruition until after she passed. And so I am just um, so glad that, you know, Carlos Santana um, had this great idea that he reached out to Peter Bratt and that they made it happen and that, um, you know, Dolores is here to tell her own story. Nobody's telling it for her. Since the show is called Advice from Mom, I'd love to ask you, Camila, what is the best piece of advice you've ever gotten from your mom? (laughs) To ask forgiveness, not permission. (laughs) Ooh, that's a good one. I just uh, said that to a staff person the other day. I said, well, um, should we ask permission if we could collect signatures at this event? We've been invited to table. I said, no, don't ask. We ask forgiveness, not permission. (laughs) So um, we still use it in running the organization. Yeah, well, sometimes you have to be bold to be able to get in where you're not invited, whatever, you know. And I would like to share my my best advice that I got from my mother. One of them is uh, uh, always be different. You you don't have to be like the rest of your friends. Uh, The other thing is uh, when people criticize you, uh, don't take it personally. And uh, especially when you're doing something that you believe is going to help other people. And the other thing is when you see someone that needs help, it's your obligation to help them. If you possibly can, don't wait to be asked and don't expect a reward uh, for helping somebody else or or don't expect gratitude either. When you do help someone, you do it uh, for the grace of having the ability to help them. And those are all things that I, I take to heart. Thank you for the motherly wisdom. And uh, I, I just want to close with any other thoughts you want to share about motherly love or advice or emotional well-being or or Mother's Day. I think neither one of us mentioned it because to us it's just something so natural. We wanted to say to all mothers, take your children to the marches. 
you know, take them to picket lines, take them with you when you go vote so they can see how important that is. Uh, because if children grow up in the movement and they grow up uh, in the realm of social justice, it will stay with them forever. They will always remember it. Amazing. Well, happy Mother's Day to both of you. Thank you. I hope it's a very joyous one and have just a wonderful celebration of all the amazing mothers in in your family. Thank you for this uh, opportunity to share uh, our experiences. Thank you. Thank you. A lot of wisdom there, a lot of wisdom. Yeah. So amazing. And I think she really fits in with what we're saying all of May. And she and her children are such vibrant examples of that. Yeah. Some of her answers tell us that her children are now in their own ways, each in their own ways, uh, determined to carry on with what she started. I think that's very true. Yeah. What a wonderful tribute. I was really struck when I met her of like, what a one of a kind person she is Mm. and how like, Many of us have about like 5% of that gumption, right? You know, we can kind of like, we can rally, we can rally temporarily or, you know, on the weekends or in a small portion of our lives, but she does it nonstop. And I wondered like, is that like a certain temperament or is that like, like, is that just like a blessed person who has just unlimited energy and is fueled by changing society? Like, what are your, what are your thoughts on on her exceptionalness. Yeah, good question. Well, um, I I would think that she would be definitely described as an idealist. And even though she doesn't come across as a, a, a extremely extroverted, she must be an extrovert. And she does say, uh, when you ask her what she loves... I mean, what she does for fun. She she talks about how much she loves people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the do what you love kind of thing. That's all very characteristic of an idealist. Just her whole life is, I would guess she's an idealist. Mm-hmm. But, like, what about these, like, super-fueled humans? Like, <laughs> like, what can we learn from them? Like, I feel like in some ways... We're, you know, we can up our 5% to 10% by being inspired. But like, is it almost just like some people are just born with this incredible drive or? Not only drive, but a kind of charisma, I think. And yes, I would guess that uh, I would be very curious about her mother and her parents um, and I, you know, we didn't, we don't know much about that at this point. Oh, but. actually that's, that's funny that you say that. Cause I mean, I guess with these interviews, it's always the way that once you turn off the microphones, it's always the best part. Uh, yes. Um, but I was asking her afterwards, you know, so you said your mom was an entrepreneur, like what did she, what did she do? Um, and she said that she ran a restaurant, mm-hmm. um, and actually this is like crazy element of of history she actually like took over a business from a family that was a japanese family that was sent to internment camps oh my goodness yeah oh, right so she ran multiple businesses wow wow so okay so maybe that had such an Im- one of the things that had such an impact 
on Dolores is seeing that unfairness in mm-hmm. a lot of the uh, a lot of the uh, Japanese who were interned were were citizens. Yeah. And uh for for them to lose everything and for for mother to take over, boy, what a life lesson right there. Oh my gosh. And yeah, mm-hmm. I didn't even make the connection, yeah. but yeah, you're totally Yeah. You're totally right. Very powerful story. That's uh, that's our grand finale of of our month of May of the matriarchy. Amazing individuals focused on social action. There are so many individuals who give us universal wisdom, guidance on how to live and how to have a fulfilling, so fulfilling to help other people. Mm-hmm. And I, you know that in your everyday too. Yes. Yes, I do. We're going to be back with some specials throughout the summer, including a Father's Day special. Don't forget about dads. No, 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 no. And we'll be back in the fall with a whole new season three. So don't forget, we're collecting questions now for season three. It's not too late to get your question in. And if we answer your question on the show, it doesn't mean you have to wait till the show happens to actually hear your answer. We send advice to you right away. Right, Mama? Yes, we do. We do our best to streamline that advice straight to you. And of course, as we learned from Dolores, there is no pressure for you to respond to say thank you in any way for this podcast. I feel like I'm I'm adding a tinge of uh, Jewish mother guilt. Oh yes, I see. I see. Can you help me as an actual Jewish mother? Well, get, like, no, put I, some I'm, real. I'm I'm going to take a different tack. Okay, go for I'm it. I'm going to say. If you appreciate what we're doing and what we're saying, then tell your friends. If they feel like subscribing, wow, that we we appreciate. A huge thank you to all the matriarchs involved in our May series. Our special guests, Dolores Huerta and Camila Chavez, Joshua Grinnell, a.k.a. Peaches Christ, Seth Shubin, a.k.a. Veruca Bathsalts, Emily Chang, Sandy Chang, and Dr. Harriet Lerner. And may I be a good daughter when I never forget to thank my mom, Dr. Elizabeth Skabinski-Bortman, a.k.a. Mama B. Ph.D. Thank you, Mom, for being such an amazing mother and sharing your motherly love with all of our listeners. I don't know if you ever imagined that our family tradition of celebrating birthdays for a whole month would translate into celebrating Mother's Day for the whole month, but thank you for being an amazing sport. I love you so much. I'd also like to say a special thank you to Tina Rubio, who went above and beyond, as Mama B would say, to make our recording day with Dolores and Camila happen. Oh my gosh, seriously, without you, Tina... Where would I be? I I would not be making this episode credits right now. And also to Radio Bilingue for hosting us in Fresno. And thanks to Luis Sanchez and the whole staff at the Dolores Huerta Foundation. Thanks for letting us borrow Dolores and Camila for this interview. And thank you to all of you, our listeners, for following along with this special series. We really appreciate your support and your interest so, so much. And like we said, we'll be back a couple times this summer with some special episodes and then back full time this fall answering your letters with my mom's advice and second opinions from some seriously wise women. As always, you can send in your questions and your needs for advice anonymously at advicefrom.mom. Mama B is waiting by her inbox. 
Advice for Mom is a production of Wise Ones Advice Services. It's produced by the amazing Juliet Hindley and me, Rebecca Garza-Bortman. It's also edited by that amazing Juliet Hindley. It's mixed and mastered by Jake Young, and publicity is by Anna Bader. This episode was recorded in two places at once, in Bakersfield by Tina Rubio with the help of Stanton, a.k.a. Danny Bringer, and in Fresno at Radio Bilingue by George Ramirez. Audio assistance and transportation saviorism by Brian Garza. And our theme music is by that band with Brian Garza, Love Jerks. And if you enjoy adorable animals and stories of epic rescues after recording advice, you need to check out our Instagram because we have an amazing video that we took after an adventure on our way home from Fresno. That's all I'll tell you now, but I'll say we almost named a dog Dolores that day. (laughs) You go, girl. Oh, Mom, you're bringing that phrase back from the 90s. I don't care.